0: The Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track
1: Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Check out theathletic.com slash SpotTrack. Get yourself a great deal this holiday season. Download the app, move it to the front of your list, and open it up every morning. Only the best news from all the greatest reporters with the teams and leagues you care about the most. That's how The Athletic works. The great app. Theathletic.com slash SpotTrack. Get you started. My name is Mike Giannetti happy Wednesday, Thanksgiving Eve. It's a baseball slash basketball show. Keith Smith joins me off the top here. He's posted a piece on spottrack.com outlining the options for Miles Turner, a name you're going to hear quite a bit. He's already been tied to the Lakers. He's been tied to a couple of these other teams that need a big man or need, at least need an injection to get themselves resuscitated for the 2022-23 season and maybe beyond. It's an expiring contract. There's extension possibilities. The Pacers are not a pile of garbage right now. So it's kind of a big what if. And Keith and I discuss what that what if could mean for the Pacers, for other teams, for other trade candidates, and for big men in general, because it's just a weird scenario right now that half the, half the league loves big men and maybe knows how to utilize them. Half the league is kind of spinning their wheels with it. And that makes players like Miles Turner total unicorns. So Keith breaks that down with me to start the show. Cousin Dan joins me in the back end of the show. We're going to kind of prelude our Major League Baseball free agency episode, which is coming next week, which is a full deep dive into positional breakdowns of who's available, who might end up where, at what price. But I want to jump the gun on the Dodgers because every year they do something that blows us away. They are a bit depleted right now from a starting roster standpoint especially in the bullpen, especially in some of the infield positions? Why is Trey Turner not being rumored to go back there? What happens with Cody Bellinger now that he's been non-tendered? Is the rotation strong enough to go, or is there a big-time acquisition coming? And which one of these big free agents is going to be the ticket item for the Dodgers? Because it's not going to be none of them. It's going to be somebody. And Cousin Dan has some serious thoughts on positional needs, which free agents could be in play for the Dodgers, a couple of trade scenarios for this team. And uh, just how big and bold they're going to be yet again for the twenty twenty three season. So basketball, baseball. And we'll see you next weekend after you all have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy it. All right, Keith Smith is back. That means basketball time. It's a big NBA week. We're not quite to the the Christmas time of the NBA season, Keith, but it still feels like uh, we're're we're at a point of relevance, especially with some of these expected good teams sitting at the bottom of the standings. Let's just start there quickly. Just your general thoughts on how things are unfolding. Is it just too early to react or overreact? Or is there some some real stinkers happening out there right now? (laughs)
2: <laughs> there, there definitely are, and there, there's been a handful of teams that I think we all had pegged as uh, getting into. I like to call it the vomiting for Victor sweepstakes. Yeah, um, oh you know, others listen to you taglines. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Right, it's uh, others are calling it brick for Vic, which is cute, but I, I like the alliteration. Um, but yeah, it's 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 weird at this point in the NBA season because. Part of you wants to say, well, it's early, it's early, it's early, it's not even Christmas. But then you look up and a quarter of the season is already gone. So you, so you have to start to look at some of these things and say, all right, this is probably a little bit more real uh then not and and you start to to reevaluate some of the teams you thought that might be bad that are actually playing pretty well and teams that you thought might be pretty good playing pretty bad. But both conferences super compact as you would expect early in the season. And you know we get a lot of basketball to play, but there, there's definitely some clarity starting to come into focus.
1: We're going to talk about Miles Turner here. You he did a great piece in our next contract series about Miles Turner. He's been, my God, in the rumor mills for eighteen months, right? I mean, <laughs> Oh, at
2: least yeah, it at feels least. like eighteen years. Yeah, I
1: mean, Indiana's <laughs> been trying to shop him for for years now, and or extending him, and and that's kind of the parallax that you put together here. Is it's not just a one way street. There are multiple options and multiple ways this could end up. But let's let's kind of focus out here a little bit because some of these teams I think that are struggling are, are struggling because of a size issue. Um, there are good teams without a big man playing well right now. I think Boston's one of them. They've just sort of figured it out from a small guard standpoint or a, a big guard standpoint. Mm-hmm. But, but, but where do you sit with that? Do we have a big man problem in basketball right now where the game's just not running through the paint so much anymore, yet you still need that from a defensive standpoint? And, and teams maybe have given up on that financially speaking.
2: I, I think there's to some extent that uh, that is true. It used to be the, the, uh, old adage in the NBA is used to be size gets paid. Well, we've seen now that's not necessarily true. We start to see teams, if you're one of the best centers, if you're Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, guys like that, of course those guys get paid. But then it's really kind of slotted into a lot of guys where teams are, "Eh, well, we'll give them mid-level money, like in that range, something in the 10 to maybe 15 million range. And we feel pretty good about that, but it's, I think what's, Become interesting is it feels like the teams who value size have collected a lot of it. So teams like Cleveland, uh, Minnesota, obviously is playing Towns and Gobert together. Um, Utah, even despite trading Gobert, they have several bigs um, that that are pretty good players. So you're starting to see these teams kind of collect this size. Uh, New York has you know a couple centers who who could probably start on most teams. So that's what's it kind of caused this to be there, and then you've got some of these teams that are sitting in almost. I get it's hard to call Indiana and in rebuilding when they're ten and six <laughs> and playing quite well, but they've got Miles Turner. The Spurs clearly are uh, rebuilding, and they've got Jakob Purtle. So you're kind of looking at and saying, well, if we need a center, that's where we need to go to. But it, it is it is interesting, and then of course uh, the last team I'll mention on this list is Orlando because they're regularly playing three guys who are you know or four guys who are six foot nine or bigger in their lineups and three guys who a lot of people thought would be centers at the pro level. uh, They're playing them all together because we've seen if you're a big man who has a little bit of versatility, in your game, teams are very open to pairing you with another big right now.
1: Do do teams understand though, how to utilize this process right now, or are we in a little bit of flux with it? Because the, the Gobert situation was, and I still think to this day was, just crazy, crazy overreaction in terms of what the compensation was for him for a defensive minded big man, which I think might be the more important part of this conversation, right? I think that's probably what most teams value most out of the big man right now is the defense, the rebounds, the the continuing the process more, more than, you know, an Embiid type player who can kind of shoot from anywhere and is kind of a freak unicorn. Um, are we going to see the compensation, the trade assets drop for these kind of players? Because because everything you're mentioning there is selling selling players from bad teams essentially or at least should be bad teams by Christmas time. Um, so what happens come February when this trade deadline hits and some of those players have to move? Is it going to be is it going to be an overcorrection for the Gobert stuff or do you think that there still be top value for a big man in basketball?
2: Yeah i I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. I, I don't think the The kind of more one-way center, the the Gobert type, is going to continue to get get paid big money. Because I think teams are going to look at it and say, hey, we value rim protection. If you're an offense-only center, you're not going to get paid very much. Because that generally is, you're going to be probably a bench guy, or you're going to be a 25-minute tonight tops guy, because teams will always close with defense on the floor. But if you're a rim protecting center, that's room for if you're the Rudy Gobert type or even Brooke Lopez, who's having an outstanding season. Now, Lopez is also uh, valuable offensively because he can stretch the floor with his jump shot. But it is those guys will still get the 20, 25 million dollar contracts because teams value that rim protection. But you have to be a two-way star or a true offensive game changer. Like I wouldn't dare to call Carl Anthony Towns a two-way star because he doesn't defend very much, but he's an offensive game changer. So he'll get a max deal Embiid, He's kind of the gold standard of the the center position right now. Those guys will get maxes, but then teams just don't invest money there. Now it's everybody needs to have a point guard. You know, you've got to have a really good, good point guard. Uh, And then wings are where teams are pumping all their money into and better uh, than anything is wings with size, because if you have wings with size, that gives you that lineup versatility that people are looking for. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with center contracts, especially not so much this off season but in the coming years as the cap goes up um what what happens to to the center position do do teams start to say well we've got some money and we saw in 2016 last time there was a cap spike uh Timothy Moskov got a man basically a max deal uh, back then and that, that that was immediately something that was regretted and and he was traded a few times and then ultimately uh had to do a medical retirement but yeah it's a it, it's a little tricky right now for sure
1: it feels a little bit like the running back situation in football. If the the teams have all gone to this passing game and you can equate that to the outside game in basketball, the three point shot, the deep shot, the guard centric it could be your wide receiver situation where you don't just need one, you need three. And the running backs, if you've got one that can do everything, you pay him. If you've got one that can do one thing, you pay him half and you need two more guys to go with him. That's sort of the situation <laughs> yeah. we're living in here. So. You know, it's funny and that's just a that's a, a downsizing situation in the nfl so I, I wouldn't say there's a you know there's a positive outlook coming here for the centers but you're right if teams are forced to pay because of a, of a rising cap boom or or a tax threshold situation or if the cba changes things completely which could very well happen everybody's going to benefit from this the, the league is very good at bringing everybody up with it so mm-hmm. this may be a moot point in 18 months but for now it's a little bit of a a yin and yang type situation. Let's transition into Miles Turner then, because I don't know, would you classify him as a two-way guy in this conversation, Keith?
2: Yeah, I would. He He's a pretty unique player in that he is one of the best rim protectors in the league and has been for the last uh, uh, several years. He is also a guy who can um, do a lot of things as far as spacing the floor. Uh, he doesn't really roll to the basket at all anymore it's all pick and pop stuff from him or spot up stuff but that's fine because he does that at a very high level so i think it's uh where we're in a spot with um miles turner where those are two things obviously teams place a high premium on um but there's always the thought of if a guy's in trade rumors every single year and he doesn't yeah. actually get traded one is do teams just they they set a price and we'll walk away from it and say nope we're not paying more than that or I tend to think with Ben Miles Turner's case it's more of a combination of the team and the player they don't really want a divorce they're good to stay together because they they've you know found a match there that they like so so that's going to be what's going to really be interesting to watch with him over the next really two and a half three months until we get to the trade deadline.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like a house that's been on the market for three years. And then you see that that the price has been reduced and it makes you think, why would they reduce the price? What's wrong with the house, right? Yeah, I think you're right, though. This is more about Indiana not knowing who they are. And this early little, uh, not so much of a winning streak, but a better than I think expected roster standings. Uh, You know, you mentioned San Antonio, certainly Utah. There are teams that we expected to be absolute dog, you know, dog piles this year, who for whatever reason are just holding up the fort. That's going to that's going to even out though, right? The NBA all, all, always balances out. It's very rare that we have a, a Luster City, right? Mm-hmm. That actually, you know, starts off strong and gets this thing to the finish line. It just doesn't happen in this league, Keith, right?
2: Yeah, not not to that extent. You might have a team hang around and hang around the playoff picture mm-hmm. um especially now with the advent of the play-in tournament um you you could see that now indiana showed some signs last year when it looked like they kind of did their um our, we're raising the white flag where we're calling it a year uh thing after they got tyrese halliburton they showed some signs of there might be something here and now that's carried over to this year they they're playing a really fun style i encourage folks if you haven't watched the pacers catch a pacers game you'll have a lot of fun because they get up and down the floor um they 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 don't just fly up and down the floor and only shoot threes they do shoot a lot of them but they get into the paint they you know turners blocking shots on the other end they're just a fun watch so i do think that there's some uh I, I don't know what stick around ability, I guess. Um, as I'm making up words here on a in, in the morning. Um, but I think <laughs> they may, may hang around a little bit longer because I think what's going to happen with the Pacers is. There's also never been an appetite to do the full-blown rebuild from that ownership group. They've always been content. Hey, if we're in the playoff mix, we're we're good. And some years we might be a little bit better. Some years we might be a little bit worse, but we don't want to fully bottom this thing out. And that's where I think for the Pacers, I don't know that I'm ready to say, all right, yeah, it's cute that they're 10 and six right now, but you know, four game losing streak and they're going to start selling off pieces that said i think if a team bowls them over with an offer for miles turner or buddy healed or any of the other vets on that roster then they probably do say all right let's let's go let's uh you know we we have to really look at this
1: it it is an expiring contract um Mm -hmm. but we've learned so much well let me ask it this way I think over the past two years, maybe maybe over a five-year span, the sign-and-trade with the expiring contract in the offseason was more prevalent. I feel like that has diminished over the past couple of offseasons. Teams have just said, no, it's not worth the hard cap situation. We're better off doing something midseason and trying to be more creative at the deadline. Is is that how you read this? Do you think teams will be extremely active at the deadline for Turner, but not as active in the offseason when they have to do a sign-and-trade?
2: Um. It really kind of depends. I think what we saw a few years ago is sign and trades went completely, they almost disappeared mm-hmm. fully for about two or three seasons because what happened was teams had cap space. So when you have cap space, there's no real reason to to do a sign and trade and put yourself in that spot. Then what we've also seen happen is teams are far more uh, willing to trade for a player and then extend that player themselves. Or trade for a player and then they have the player's bird rights. And then you get the benefit of benefit of, well, we get a couple extra months out of the guy. Even right. if you're not a making a playoff push, it used to be reserved for teams who made trade deadline trades where all right, Team X is making a playoff push, team Y is kicking off a rebuild. That's the only kind of thing we got. We would now we see trades sometimes. The, the Halliburton Sabonis trade was kind of one of those where it's like, Neither one of these teams is going anywhere, but it's a chance for us to reset our rosters and rebalance. So that's what we're starting to see more of. In the case of Turner, I think what we could see is, I laid it out in the piece. Yeah, He's not going to extend because it's just not lucrative enough for him to do a straight veteran extension. It wouldn't make sense uh, for him to do that. And a team's not going to do the extend and trade deal because that's really not lucrative enough for him. Um, so I think what we could see is a team trade for him with the idea of, Hey, we got you. We're going to take care of you this summer, but we're going to let it roll into the summer. And then with your bird rights, we'll pay you, you know, north of $20 million and feel pretty good about that versus uh, any kind of extension, because that's just not going to happen.
1: It makes sense. They do have a couple of teams in terms of destinations in mind at this point, or is that a little too early in the game?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously we gotta mention the Lakers <laughs> have to. been in yeah. on, right. they the bills in on here, on Keith. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but they have been in on him uh you know for a while now, him and Buddy healed uh collectively. So we'll we'll see, you know, where that goes. Uh if that ends up becoming into something. I think if the Lakers are willing to put in both. Uh, first round picks. And if they're willing to do that unprotected, we may have something that that happens. Let's expand
1: on that though, because that is a a bad team that would be acquiring a good player for the future. And, and I I see it as a fit, especially now with Anthony Davis healthy and playing more in that 20 foot, you know, you know, two point range where he's Mm -hmm. really, really money. That's not where Miles Turner would have to be. He'd be the guy cleaning up the paint. Anthony Davis can live outside a little bit more and then LeBron can be the slashing, uh, you know, forward that he's been for years and years. There's a real roster fit here, isn't there?
2: Yeah, cuz what what you can do is where Davis is most comfortable is that mid-post area yeah. and you yeah. let him work with with uh Turner spacing the floor on the opposite side. And now you've pulled the other big away from the basket. Uh t- teams would probably at that point you start to put the other big on Davis versus having him pulled away by Turner. But then that's where Davis thrives because he's just too quick. For most uh, other centers to to yeah. handle, so yeah, so there's definitely a fit there. The challenge becomes if you're the Lakers, you have to decide you cannot trade for Miles Turner and then not re-sign him right. because that would be a disaster of epic proportions. So you have to decide: would we rather have thirty million dollars in cap space this summer, or would we rather have Miles Turner? And I don't think they would trade for just Turner. I think it would have to be like Turner and healed. Yeah. Um, so then it becomes: would we would we rather have Turner and healed? or is it better for us to just let russ's contract expire uh you know whatever the season becomes it becomes um with that now i've had a couple people say well they're they're so far out well they've started to play a little bit better so they close down that gap because again we're a month or so into the season but i think the reality is with the lakers is you could still see them even if we get to the trade deadline it's like they're not going anywhere still make a deal like this, especially if the Pacers had fell up, fallen off, because really this is what I like to call it. It's like a pre-agency deal mm. because you don't wait for free agency. You make the deal now because the other thing for the Lakers is trade deadlines, the last opportunity for them to get anything of value using Russell Westbrook's contract as the matching piece in a salary thing. No one's really trading for Russ, the player. They'd be trading for Russ, the contract, to get two first round picks out of LA. That's right. In two first round picks 5 6 years from now, that's pretty good because we don't know what those guys will be but the Lakers have held firm they're not going to send two unprotected first round picks in a trade you know unless it's the absolute perfect right trade for them and they haven't seemingly seemed to get there on turner um with that the other teams that get mentioned for him charlotte gets mentioned a ton because again they've had a hole at the center position for years now um i think this would be another example of not a very good team uh, making a deal, but with the idea of, all right, well, then we get our guys back. We now have Turner. We can can really build into something that would make, make some sense there. Um, it's just, it, it's weird. There, there was a lot of thought of, you know, could Phoenix get involved when it was the whole DeAndre Aiden deal, but DeAndre Aiden can't be traded to the Pacers now because they match that offer sheet from the Pacers. So that gets a little bit messy, but, and then some team, some surprise team will come up, but, I tend to think it's going to go completely the other way. I don't think he gets traded. And I think he does, as I laid out in the piece, the extremely rare renegotiate and extend uh, with the Pacers. We have we've we very rarely see these. We've only seen three in like the last decade or so. Um, and I think we're going to see him actually do that with the Pacers. And I think what's important to know with it, that keeps him there the rest of this year, but also will keep him on a very tradable contract right into the summertime
1: so it buys the pacers some time because i think that yeah. you're right they don't really know exactly i think the Halliburton trade maybe threw them caught them by surprise and, and made them a little <laughs> bit sure. more relevant than they thought they were going yeah. to be at this point point. and uh yeah I I, I I that's how i read your piece there's a there's a great piece uh, breaking down the turner options on spottrack.com um that keith is sort of summarized here for us but that's that's the tone i took away from it keith is that you feel like even though there are probably better teams for him right now from a roster standpoint, kind of maturing with this Pacers team, at least for one more full season, makes perfect sense. I think that's the right move. And by the way, he's going to make a boatload of money doing it either way. So you might mm-hmm. as well, you know, you know, stick with your current situation and see if you can increase your value from the Pacers standpoint. Um, and he's only twenty-seven. Too, that's right. Like I was just two. about to say that. This yeah, is not. not- yeah, We've been talking about him for years, two. but he's not yeah. an
2: old dog. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He came into the league very young. He was one of the younger players when he came yeah. in. So, so yeah. So this is a guy who I think there's still plenty of room for him to grow with, with that team. And, and, and I really look at it as if you're the Indiana Pacers one, you cannot just sit on nearly $30 million in cap space. Like, you can't that, that would be, malpractice by the front office if you did that like you have to do something with it eat a contract in exchange for a pick you know move move something Get do something with it but i think they're going to look at it and say all right you know what the westbrook deal is not for us um because they won't they're not the lakers aren't going to go all the way to where we need them to go then it starts to become all right well what else is out there all right well if we're still sitting on about 18 million or so um in cap space that still gives us 20 you know we'll call it 12 million to play with mm-hmm. to make deals with so let's give that and what it effectively becomes in a renegotiating extent, it's like a bonus for the player it's we're going to Bring you up to your max this year but then we're going to chop 18 million off whatever would give you in the next you know three or four years of, of an extension because that that is a good way to basically say hey we paid it to you up front in this year where we got to hit the the floor anyway we got to do all these things so why not take care of you now you've been here with us for six seven years in the organization let's really you know take care of you and then that allows that next contract the number to be just low enough that then you could turn around and say well it's still a very tradable contract if we want to and then that gives us fresh miles turner trade fodder for the next you know four years of a contract as well
1: especially if he's not even 30 when the yeah, exactly. next trade conversation comes in and mm-hmm. by the way this renegotiation process that you're mentioning it would become the way to do business with a hard cap in this league it would be the number one process. yeah you know, the and trade would be gone. All this kind of free agency stuff would diminish because you just wouldn't be able to take on one-for-one situations like that. So I, this would be sort of like the string along for an extra year, you know, a front, almost like a front-loaded signing bonus, right, that we see in these other yeah. you know, these other sports. And then once the contract gets a little bit more friendly, you can move, move on from a player. I you, think that's how the hard cap would work in this league.
2: You just have to be in a position where right now they only allow it if you have cap space right so that's the tricky part because the veteran extension rules that is the number one thing and that's a whole other long podcast we can do (laughs) but that is the number one thing i expect to be be tweaked in the new cba because it's just like a guy like jalen brown
1: yeah
2: for him to be far more lucrative to let his contract expire and play out than to extend i don't know who that's necessarily great for um it's not Yo, why not let him lock in money now? Why not let the put the team lock in a player that they want now? Um, but the veteran extension rules are are pretty prohibitive, but this renegotiate and extend, yeah, it's really only the Spurs and the Pacers who can do it because they're sitting on $30 million in cap space right now. So that makes it really a kind of interesting, fun, you know, subplot to what's going on now. The Spurs don't have any candidates to do this with, um, because you have to have been under contract for so long with the team and your current deal needs to run for X amount of years in order to be eligible. So that makes Turner kind of the guy. And, in the last time we saw this, um, Robert Covington, Mm -hmm. way back in the process, Sixers days, uh, he, he he went from a minimum contract up to, I want to say it was about 13, 14 million in that one year. And then they tacked a few more years onto it at about 11 million apiece. So that's how, again, rather than him getting 14 or 15 million in free agency, we gave you a, we gave you it all right now because we can, and then we kept your number a little bit lower, and then then he was immediately part of the Jimmy Butler trade. Yeah, and then he
1: was things. traded eleven times, right? Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and uh now finds himself out of the rotation with the Clippers after oddly enough signing uh yeah he had another extension um you know which is just kind of odd the way that's worked out, but but yeah these, these are so rare and it's uh but I I really think that's how it's going to play out. I don't think we're going to see Miles Turner get traded. I think all right. We'll, I'll we'll get you out it. here on this all thing because.
1: I know you're doing a bunch of trade work as we approach that December 15th restriction lift. Are are there other big men then that you could put in this kind of classification that at least considered at the deadline?
2: Yeah, Jakob Pertle for yeah. sure with, with the Spurs. I I I'm almost uh, more convinced he does get moved than than not um, from from San Antonio. I, I just think it may, it makes a lot of sense. He just got injured, um, but it's a fairly minor injury. But a guy like Mike Muscala from OKC, he's always going to be on the block. Um, yeah. We'll hear Nerlens Noel's name batted around. That's kind of a more end of the you know rotation guy. And then we'll see what happens in Utah if Utah does pivot at any point you're gonna see a guy like kelly olenek become available and he's a guy where i think a lot of teams look at and say "All hey, right, that's a tradable enough deal we can we can move forward with the a guy like him in our rotation and feel feel good about it for the rest of the year and then one kind of stealthy name that i'll throw out there is um i wouldn't be surprised if memphis does something with maybe mm. steven adams the only reason i'm gonna put that i would put the brakes on a little bit it's just jaron jackson jr has trouble staying healthy but if they could feel good that he was going to be healthy i think we could see something there because santi aldama has emerged for them and played really really well um for them and that gives them a big i don't think they necessarily expected to be a rotation level guy and he clearly has become that but memphis they, they tend to be a little bit more content with let's, let's build and let's, you know, maintain what we have. So, but yeah, there's definitely going to be bigs that that get tossed around the market. And One out.
1: more name to throw into the ring at you. Cause they're floundering out of the gate here. It, does Miami do anything with their big men?
2: Yeah. Miami's in a tough spot. Miami needs to add size more than anything. Cause their mm. only big of note is bam out of bio. And right. they're certainly not going to trade him. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's. They're the challenge for the heat is they're about out of tradable assets that Hmm. teams would really covet because they're, they're, they're they don't have a lot of draft picks and the draft picks they do have generally aren't seen as super valuable because teams just kind of figure well miami's going to figure it out and they'll be pretty good it's kind of almost the same situation with the lakers a little bit where there are teams that are fear taking on lakers picks to some extent because it's like well they're the lakers they'll just you know they'll spend their way out of this and they're in la and everybody wants to play there so they'll eventually get good again so it's um yeah miami's going to do something they're not going to just sit back and say well what? this old roster i just don't i think they're more likely to add a size to that roster than do do anything else and it's probably going to be ultimately duncan robinson who's just used as a salary match just because he, he's he got the most tradable uh deal on the team that that can actually get you something of value
1: last one i lied gotta go back to the lakers real quick is there any chance let's say miles turns off the table and let's say that was the lakers really only big priority this offseason or at least or during this at the trade deadline. Any chance they zag and, and the way forward for them is not to move those picks. It's not to dump Russell Westbrook. It's to trade Anthony Davis at a high point, which is where he is right now. And if he sticks on this trend and stays healthy, he can bring in the, the Anthony Davis type haul that we thought he, you know, that he, they gave up for him two years ago, three years ago, Mm -hmm. any chance that's the zag move at the deadline.
2: I'm not gonna say no chance. I would just say low chance. I I think what's gonna happen for the Lakers is you're gonna see them kind of get into a position with Anthony Davis of we have to decide is he our guy? Is he truly our post-Lebron guy? And I think they are now fully preparing for all right, LeBron's not the indestructible machine he Mm -hmm. once was. He does miss time now. Um, you're seeing slippage in parts of his game um there. So we need to is if they Sit down collectively and look at each other and say, Yeah, we're not sold. Anthony Davis is the face of the Lakers, you know, in two, three years. Then yeah, you probably have to consider, you know, what can we do? Can, can we get a massive return for him? But if if you look at it, and I think it's more likely to go this way, I think the Lakers will say, Yeah, Davis is our guy. Like he's, you know, we traded everything to get him. We're mm-hmm. gonna build around him. And I think they keep him, but it's not, it wouldn't. Put it this way: If if we got a Woj text or a Woj bomb tweet uh, or whatever we're on in in the future, um, and that says you know the Lakers are trading Anthony Davis, I, I would not I would not be in completely and utterly shocked. Would
1: you Would you classify it as their actual best business option, though?
2: Yeah, if I was running the team, Me I too. would consider it. Yeah, because yeah. I I don't I just don't think you're going anywhere as currently constructed with him and LeBron. And he's such a risk.
1: If if you're gonna build around him for five to eight years, he is such a risk, mm-hmm. obviously, annually. Yeah. So if yeah, you, can you strike to, high.
2: It what makes it so hard for them is with him and LeBron's injury histories now, and, and I'm 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 very confident saying they're both a pretty good bet to miss 20, 25 games a year at least. Um you have to have roster debt. But when they make a hundred million dollars, yeah. it's impossible to have roster debt. So that's the, they're just kind of, you know, it's like chicken or the egg here where they're just going to keep chasing. I keep saying, everybody keeps saying, you know, let Russ expire sign Kyrie this offseason, figure out a way, give them all your cap space. Well, even if you can manufacture up to 35 million in cap space, it is, it is not the right way to turn around and give all of that to Kyrie Irving because then you'd be left with the room exception and minimums. And now you've added a third injury prone, uh, Incident prone, I guess, uh, best way to put it, guy, um, to your roster, who's another good bet to miss 25, 30 games a year. And now what you're sitting there with is three guys like that and a whole bunch of question marks again. You're basically in the the exact same place. And you could talk me into, holy crap, like this is amazing. And it went, well, you better nail every single one of those minimum signings. And they haven't shown the ability to do that over the last few years that's not where really they've been so it's i tend to favor if you're gonna keep ad and lebron you got to split that 30 million up go get two or three players right with that 30 million then use your uh your room exception then you fill out with some minimums and you you, you can actually build a roster that is eight nine deep at least because you got to have some depth because you're you can't you can't roll back what you did again i just I just don't know that they see it that way. I, I think it's it's the Lakers and that's, you know, stars or busts and and we're, we're going to go for it. And that's, that's, it's a really tough way to build a basketball team in this day and age.
1: It's good content for us, though. He's at yeah, Keith oh, Smith NBA on Twitter. <laughs> he's, he's got his uh, name all over articles on spottrack.com. Keith, appreciate your time as always.
2: I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All
1: right, Dan, I know it's the holiday. I know we have some bigger fish to fry but I wanted to get a, a Dodgers conversation in here before the Dodgers struck big because, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, they're going to strike somewhere, right? Maybe in a couple of spots here. Am I incorrect in thinking that? And I think it's probably right around the corner.
0: I think that thinking is, is probably right. Um, I don't know if they're going to go nuts, uh, quite uh, to say, like, I don't think there's going to be like back to back to back big moves. I, I do think there is a big move lined up but um you know they're obviously one of the best teams in the league and i hate to say like they're gonna they're certainly not rebuilding but i do think there's room for this year to be a bit of a tweener year um where maybe they don't think that they're set up to be world series favorites nonetheless even though they have an excellent roster um but there are some holes here right with uh walker bueller missing most of next year um, you have an aging Clay- Clayton Kershaw. Um, yeah, let's just let's
1: actually some... ex- expand on this because this is sort of how I wanted to do it anyway. They're they're losing. I think they're losing Justin Turner, so starting third baseman gone. I, we don't know about Trey Turner, so starting shortstop potentially gone. Tyler Anderson, there, I guess, who would have been their third pitcher if you keep Kershaw at the number two right now, already gone. And then we talk about the outfield, which you're about to touch on there. And and it's kind of wishy-washy. You got Chris Taylor who can kind of fill some of these gaps. Gavin Lux can fill a few of these gaps. But I don't think either of those guys is a 162-plus postseason type player. So there's at least three to four starting positions. And I didn't even talk about the bullpen. And there is no bullpen right now. There is no end of the bullpen setup for this team right now. So there's between three and five starting spots that they have to fix. So. Is that too much for a team that's already 200 million pot committed to then dive in and say, we got, we got to do, you know, we got to go all in on some of these massive free agent options just to stay relevant, especially with what the, what the Padres are and what the Giants could be by the end of February. Is is it too much? Or do you think that there's a, there's a path for them to just blow the doors off the tax threshold, kind of live in golden state warriors land and, and at least put themselves in contention.
0: Yeah, that's sort of where I wanted to go. It was I the luxury tax, they so two years in a row they've they've blew past the luxury tax. Right. Um tw- in 2021 they had a record 23.65 million in luxury tax. Um in 2022 they're pay, they're on pace to pay almost 30 million. Um so th- <laughs> the Dodgers are not worried about money, but there is some there is some incentive for them to try and get under that luxury tax this year. And of all years, I think this is the year to try and do it. If they're leaning that way, right. You have the, the Justin Turner money come off the books. You have David price contract expiring. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you have like the Andrew, Heaney, Tyler Anderson money, That's 16 mil combined right there. Um, the right. Trevor Bauer thing is, is so up in the air right now, but I, I guess my point is, is you have, at least $50 million probably coming off of your salary from last year. And, um, I, 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 do think they spend somewhere at a prime position. So like maybe if Trey Turner leaves, maybe they dedicate that money towards Carlos Correa. But, but like you said, there's a number of holes here that I don't know if they're ready to go nuts in free agency when, they have some players in the mill coming up, but maybe just not quite ready um, to serve a major, major purpose on this team. So I could see them diving into the market at some, like not necessarily in the deep end and getting a couple one year deals, um, you know, similar to the Headey and the Tyler Anderson deal, um, just to kind of patch things together for another year. Um, they're going to probably make a trade here. That's, that's maybe their best route. Um, if they are looking to sort of stay under the salary cap,
1: Dan, who do you think is, is at least in the, in the conversation for that? Do you think it's one of their top prospects in order to bring in one of these hole fillers?
0: Yeah. Uh, like maybe a Diego Cartaya, one of the top catching prospects in the league, who's sort of stuck behind Will Smith. It seems like they want Will Smith there long-term, whether they sign him to an extension, who knows? Um, we're not, it's kind of up in the air, whether their slope they're bringing Cartier along slowly whether he is blocked by um by Will Smith so maybe I, I, maybe he's just a hypothetical guy they they operate from an area of depth um we saw that with Kybert Ruiz in the Max or Trey Turner deal um he was one of the t- like a top 10 prospect in the league they just flat out didn't have room um for him to play on the roster and he was clearly MLB ready um and they moved him in a in a in a really strong deal. So yeah. I think looking at a guy like that, um, they can upgrade their roster without really going nuts in in free agency. And like like you hinted, center field, Chris Taylor. Is Chris Taylor gonna play 150 games in center field? I don't really think he's equipped for that, but then then where are you going? Are you are you really looking at Brandon Nemo? I, I don't know if that's a direction they want to go. Um you'll probably get there, but I know they're like a, a dark horse for the Aaron judge stuff. Even hypothetically speaking, if Let's that did, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if that does happen though, you, you ideally don't want him in center field. I, like, I, I don't no. think you're signing him to that, you know, almost 40 million a year deal to, to have him play center field. Now he's been adequate there. He can give you innings out there, but that that's not, I, a long I think term. they've
1: already kind of hashed that out from the West coast, from the insiders that we've been hearing. Right. It's, it's Aaron Judge to right field, Mookie Betts to second base, is what I've heard multiple times, Dan. So you're right. There's still a gap in center field if that's the case. But is this Aaron Judge stuff for real? I, I tend to think you believe it is. And, and I'm, by the way, the people that are saying this out loud are people that I would trust. I, I don't buy it just yet, but I didn't see the Mookie Betts move coming either. So I'm not going to put anything past right. this
0: franchise. I, I don't actually buy it. I have no doubt the call has been made and they are in it to
1: Jack the price. I,
0: I do think they're in it a bit. I mean, maybe that's a little hot take ish, but I do think they're always going to be involved in any major name moving as they should be. They're a major player. They're one of the few teams who can allocate the resources, the financial resources specifically um, towards an Aaron judge type player. And I, I ultimately think they're out. Like it doesn't happen though because the the fit isn't necessarily. Yep. Like it's not a, need, it's not a it's huge, huge
1: need, that. right? It's not. It's not the biggest right. need they have, is the way I look at it.
0: And I say this fully knowing that I still think they're they see Juan Soto and Shohei Ohtani in the pipeline, okay. and so I was going to get there. rather <laughs> set themselves up. Yeah. So, I was going to not to jump the gun.
1: No, no, it's <laughs> fine. Look, the judge stuff is probably. Fifty percent real. Everybody's in. Everybody's at least right, trying to understand the market. But you know, it's not, it's not chess versus checkers to say that the fact that the Giants, their division rival, are the betting odds favorites to land this guy. If they can, if the if the Dodgers can stay involved enough to jack it up from thirty-eight a year to forty a year, and to make it eight nine years instead of eight years, and that's what the Giants have to do. That's a small victory for the Dodgers alone exactly it's a small yep. victory so they're in just to be to play defense if it's not to play offense to start um i i like this conversation about otani and i i don't think a lot of people expected us to be going here it's a real conversation and and by the way not signing tyler anderson to three years 39 million to, to for me even furthers this conversation because that's a contract the dodgers signed a hundred times out of a hundred with a player who already proved is a nice fit for this roster. So it's a red flag for me that they didn't sign that contract, in my opinion. Is Otani this winter to the Dodgers possible, or are we talking about a free agent thing at the end of this year?
0: Um, I think it's certainly within range, yeah. Yeah, I do um, too, Dan.
1: I think they've got prospects that they could make happen. Yeah,
0: I mean... they're just a model organization from player development standpoint in the international and international market. Um, they're just great at developing their own players, drafted players. Um, they're excellent at identifying guys like Andrew Heaney and Tyler Anderson, who can give you like way more than you expected in a year. So I have total faith in them, um, to roll with a Julio Urias ace and piece it together beyond that. Um, I mean, I, all I'm trying to say is I think there's room for them not to be quite the powerhouse they've been in recent years. Um, but, I mean, that starting lineup is still, still going to be tremendous. But you dropped tiny he, into
1: this conversation, and they are a powerhouse immediately.
0: Yeah, for, for sure, for sure. Because um, you're right, Dan.
1: Julio Urias, Clayton Kershaw, even if it's 75% of the year, Clayton Kershaw, which they would have to expect, Tony Gonsolin, and then even Dustin May, who's got to take another step forward here after this injury. <laughs> That's four, right. four pitchers that most teams would say, we're good. Not even a need to touch it, right? You drop Otani into this, and now you can probably drop Kershaw to 50% of the, of the regular season, which is great news for them. And, you know, you get a little bit more out of May, and, and you are in excellent shape. And, oh, by the way, you've added Justin Turner's production at the plate uh, as well, you know? So a bit of a two-for-one. I think that is the move for this organization. It's not judge it's Otani, And I know that's a hot take and probably inconceivable for a lot of situations, but the Dodgers do things like this. They make the inconceivable possible in most off season.
0: Right. And, and another layer to this too, that has, I haven't heard talk too much on is that is they really focus on flexibility guys who can play different positions <laughs> and that is going to leave them open to a million different outs in, in this situation. Right. It It's so, Miguel Vargas, third baseman, one of the best third base prospects in the league. It sounds like they want to give him significant playing time this year. I don't think he's gonna get um, you know, 140 games there, but it sounds like they have some intentions of maybe moving Max Muncie over there to split time with him. Mookie Betts moves into into second. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe your big deal is a Carlos Correa type thing. And then um, you know, you have you also have Chris Taylor who can play multiple positions, move him around. So just, we, we, we kind of point out holes in their roster, but the holes are um, sort of flexible, if that makes sense, because they can move these guys around. You're absolutely right.
1: You're absolutely right. And, and the way you started this conversation is most likely the way that the Dodgers are operating right now with, which is we've got a couple of guys in mind, but we're not going to go crazy on these numbers on the contract. If we get outbid, That's fine. We have plenty of flexibility on this roster to get us through a regular season or at least to a deadline where we can, you know, version 2.0 this process and have to pay 50 cents on the dollar instead of 110 cents on the dollar, which is what we'd be doing right now in free agency. I do think your last point there is, is how I think as well, which is there's a trade coming. Maybe it's not as flashy as Otani, okay? Maybe it's for a bullpen arm, which is just as useful right now to them. Some sort of 8th and ninth inning player has to be available. Edwin Diaz is off the table. I don't think Kenley Jansen is long to come back to this roster, though it's not the worst fit in the world. It's exactly what they need. But I think shortstop is where they're going to allocate all of their offseason money from a free agent standpoint. Whether it's Correa, whether it's bringing back Turner, though, do you have a beat on this? Why does it seem so unlikely that Turner is is to come back to the Dodgers? Is it because his price is a hundred million more than any other shortstop in this market. Is that conceivable?
0: Well, honestly, Mike, everything I've heard is that he's sort of turning the Dodgers down. Yeah. But Um, why, what is the reasoning behind that? It's I mean, I don't know this, but it sounds like he fully intends to play on the East coast. Now, maybe that's narrative based. Maybe that's just being put out there, but it sounds he's from Florida. It sounds like he has um, desires to stay on the East coast. The the trade to LA, he wasn't even totally sure about it. Sounds like he enjoyed his time there, but it might just be a thing he wants to get, to get back to the East Coast. Um, maybe that is incorrect, but pieces of the little breadcrumbs that I picked up from a number of things I've listened to sounds like he is, um, should, long should the we East just Coast, pencil so. him in
1: with Bryce Harper at Philadelphia right now to ruin my life then? Because that's exactly yeah, what's I gonna think, happen, right?
0: I mean, I have, there's a few teams here. I like for him. Um, I mean, it's probably going to start a whole new conversation, but he, that's one of the land. I think that's one of the prime, pretty easily. So, so then you've got
1: a a Correa type fit then filling the shortstop hole here.
0: Yeah, I think he is, he is interesting. Honestly, really any of those three shortstops, I feel like the Dodgers could come in and scoop any of those three guys that, um, maybe the last one standing that is, is mm-hmm. going to have to take sort of a discounted um price because all four Bogart, Swanson, um, you know, the whole crew is, is th- they're probably going to be good deals ultimately. Um, But th- I could see the Dodgers just kind of waiting and cherry picking the cheapest one.
1: Does the lack of qualifying offer for Korea attract the Dodgers specifically, or is that just way past where they are right now?
0: Yeah, I don't, necessarily um think that would play into it, whether they go for him or not so that's that's a team a market that can afford to lose draft pick compensation so
1: okay i've mentioned it a few times who's gonna who's gonna be the ninth inning person for this team because it's not something that they're gonna just ignore and i don't think they have that player on the roster right now unless i'm incorrect
0: i actually so you're you're probably not wrong um he they may find somebody else, but I'm kind of struggling to find like to come up with somebody right. that they would go get and then put immediately into that position. Um, they did, re- they did pick up the option on Daniel Hudson, which sure. was sort of an underrated move. Um, they apparently really like him. He does ha- have a little experience as a closer. Um, they have bruised our back there. He came, he sort of came up um, through the pipe. Uh, mm-hmm. As a prospect, he was looked at as a closer. He's sort of been used more as a high leverage arm um, in L.A., but I think he's an option. Um, but ultimately, with this roster, if they're a bona fide contender, do you want to be rolling in with Daniel Hudson, Bruce Dargraderall? I don't know, so I could see them. Well, let me um, ask you he- this.
1: Because, because those are both options, you're absolutely correct. Do you just throw a low contract at Craig Kimbrell and bring him back into the fold as just a you – know, a, a- closer by committee type situation, at least to get you through the, uh, the dog days. Potentially,
0: but I think they already saw how that worked out (laughs) at the end of last year. Like they, they flat out removed him. He wasn't good towards the end. His, a lot of his numbers were way down. Um, I, if they didn't just kick the tires on him, I think that that would be possible. I I think they'd be better off with like a Daniel Robertson type, you know, sorry, David Robertson type. Um, if they wanted to try and piece it together. But I mean, we know Dave Roberts, that bullpen, they mix and match. They, I mean, again, they probably want an anchor back there, but um, I mean, I could see them just, you know, piecing it together with the arms that they do have, the young guys they have.
1: Anything else? The Bellinger stuff, we really haven't talked about it on the air here. It was widely expected. Um, I, I guess let's, let's talk about his future real quick and we'll finish on this. He's not going to get nothing. You know, he's going to get a multi-year contract on the open market. There's going to be three, four teams vying for his services. Is he going to be in the range of Brandon Nimmo, or is he a step below financially speaking right now, Dan?
0: So I I think he's a step below, but I do think there are teams in the league that will be willing to give him, you know, another shot. Um, under totally different circumstances, is it, is it like a one-year
1: he, showcase? Got to see what it looks like first, or do you th- agree that there's going to be a team that just tries to take a four-year contract on him,
0: and 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 run I, with it? Yeah, I think the center field market is thin enough that he will be able to yeah. get, to fetch a multi-year deal. Um, I think both sides would want to incentive laden, in, right? I mean, like that we we've seen at MVP Cody Bellinger, right? Like we're pretty far removed from that. I get it, but it is in there and his side is going to at least want to um, plan for the off chance that he returns to form. Um, and I think a team would be down for that. If, if they can get a discounted Cody Bellinger, um, I, I mean, he's been a mess, a mess at the plate, right? We all know that, but he is an excellent center fielder. Um, and like I just said, it's pretty much Brandon Nimmo and nobody in the center field market. So I think teams will identify him as a left-handed bat that can play center field and give him a multi-year deal. Um, And and I think the incentive stuff, like if he returns to a MVP type form um, he should get paid for it, but I don't think we should expect it going into the, you know, going into 2023
1: just screams Texas Rangers to me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So it's funny you say that because I, 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 you probably didn't hear this, but I love that you brought it up. The two teams to me, um, are the blue Jays, obviously yeah. a major left-handed, uh, bat need. Um, they apparently would like to get George Springer out of center field. Um, even though he's excellent out there, he, he can be a little reckless. He's aging. Yeah, he's he can't some control injury. himself. He, he constantly yes. gets
1: hurt overdoing it. And the, the defensive side of things.
0: Yeah. So that's a really good fit. And the, and the Rangers, I love that you brought that up because apparently his hitting coach from his rookie and early career, um, the hitting coach in Texas was his hitting coach in LA at the beginning of his career. So there is some thought that there might be a natural fit there. He might want to return to work with a guy like that. Um Texas w- would have um some desire as well. Um it sounds mm-hmm. like they're going to be in the outfield market. So I love that you brought that up. He those are sort of my two teams um yeah that I think have a real a real shot for him to land on. So
1: Okay. Totally off topic, but I love the finish on it. Where does Jacob DeGrom end up up here, man?
0: Um, I will say 80% the Mets, 20% the field. I'm not going to, I'm not going to totally punt on the field. I, I think the Texas Rangers stuff is way overblown personally. Um,
1: I think the Braves are real. Yeah, I think the, I I
0: do. I do think the Braves are real. He's oh, man, a Florida I, guy,
1: right? I mean, so most likely East Coast here. I don't. I mean, we can't really put him in Dodgers, Angels conversations here. Padres, Giants, right?
0: I. I don't. Think no, so. I'm sort of struggling there. Yeah. yeah, I. I still think he. I think he returns to New York. Um. I mean, are it's not even my, uh,
1: Are the Yankees in on this?
0: I would. I would bet they are. Um, is, is it? Is it possible that
1: the Yankees get? DeGrom and the Mets get judge.
0: (laughs) I would personally be very surprised if the Mets get judge. I don't really think that fit is, is correct in my opinion. And the Mets have so uh, a number of other needs that I don't really know if that's what they should be getting into. But, um, I think the Yankees are more likely to make a splash like Jacob DeGrom. If they lose out on Aaron Judge. As we sort of, yeah. have kind of talked through in past pods here. Like, are they more, um, you know, were they more likely to resign judge if they won the world series or not win the world series, that sort of thing. I think we're kind of back there with the Grom. If, if, if judge gets out of town, there's going to be some pressure on that from that fan base to make a significant move. Um, I think that could be, um, you know, uh, I think that could be the cornerstone move of the off season for them. I, if they miss out on judge just so. reading
1: the tea leaves here through the hot stove, it- I agree with that. I think the Yankees are doing their diligence on, a, on an if-case scenario, and it still exists. My guess is they have told Aaron Judge, we will match any offer that comes to you, and it's now a matter of, does he want to play for the Yankees anymore? That's how I read the Judge situation. He's going to take his tour. There's probably two or three other teams he's going to stop at. It's not just going to be the Giants, and we're done, although it sounds like a formal offer is coming this weekend from the Giants. So My guess is the Yankees have already told him flat out, we're going to match anything that comes your way. We're we're go- we're not going to be outbid for you, so let's just assume that's the case. Let's say he still leaves. Now they got to be a team that can pitch, you know. Now, now they got to be they've got a team that they can patch together maybe twenty five to thirty of those home runs with some depth signing, and they can do that easily. Yeah, that's pretty easy in this in this day and age. But they've got to have three to four absolute slam dunk starters, and I think they only have two right now. The way I read that team, they've got two, so they're going to have to scramble. To be in on Rodon, to be in on Degrom, and I, I do think that gets expensive. How do you read the Verlander Mets conversations though? Is it gamesmanship with Degrom, or is it Plan B?
0: Um, good, good question. I think there's legs there. I mean, they just did the Max Scherzer deal. I think. Yeah. Um, they, I mean. They're gonna want Degrom back, right? But I think if he does get out of town, they should absolutely be in on the, on the Justin Verlander stuff. And and quite frankly, Verlander would have gotten a similar deal to Max Scherzer last year if he wasn't coming off of, mm-hmm. um, you know the to, the major Tommy John surgery. So, I I think the Mets it, like it, that would be a move that fits in with their timeline. That's why I'm okay if they want to cough up the money that's gonna be needed for Degrom. The window is now, right? We're not we're not looking. Yeah. The the Mets should not be looking to sign a ten year play, a pitcher contract right now, right? So if you need to, you know, bu- break open the Steve Cohen piggy bank to get forty million out there for Verlander or Degrom, I think this is the, they need to do it. Like I, I know there's health risk there with, you know, if it's Verlander and Scherzer, you have two guys do, over forty. Who do you trust like, I,
1: more from an injury standpoint right now? Verlander, Degrom.
0: I mean, it's a coin flip to me, but I would—it's I, it, a—it's an incredible Twitter poll for you, Mike. I think—I <laughs> I think Verlander, to be I, honest Dan, with
1: you, Dan. it's a hundred percent Verlander for me. I believe he just yeah. got the medical treatment that he needed to fix his hurdle. I don't think Jacob Degrom has taken that time. He has rested. I don't believe he's done anything medically that fixed his issues, and it's going to linger, and it's going to—it's going to possibly fester and come back, and maybe even expand. So. I just don't think his his last couple of years have been handled properly for the final you know final three years of his career. I don't know that I'd throw, I just did a piece on .com with Verlander and I couldn't finish the piece without talking about DeGrom. A, because of this Mets link now between these two players and B, I just think they're both destined to get the same contract over the next couple of weeks here. Regardless of who it is, whether it's the Mets, whether it's the Dodgers, the Astros, the Braves, to me, they're both two for 45 guarantees it's some kind of third year built in, whether it's a cheaper club option for Verlander because he's 42 years old or, you know, a player option for DeGrom because he's a little bit younger. But at the end of the piece, I couldn't help myself but saying I, I would trust 45 million to Verlander, a hundred out of a hundred over DeGrom right now. And that's crazy for me to say, because DeGrom's, you know, going to go down as one of my all time favorite players ever. I just don't, I just don't think the way his last couple years have gone, Excite me in any in any way for the next three seasons, and I I think you might agree with that having having seen
0: as much as I have. Yeah, for sure. You if you resign him at what it's going to take to resign him, you're you're holding you're immediately holding his breath. That yeah, right. I agree with that. It's going to be over forty, so um, you're immediately holding your breath. um, Yeah, if that happens. So
1: okay. So what we've learned today is that Verlander and Aaron Judge and Otani are joining the Dodgers this offseason. That's what
0: we, yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff.
1: Cause they always overdo it more than we ever think they will. Okay. All right. Good stuff, man. Let's have a big free agent conversation soon and really talk about some of these non top players, right? Because it's a decent, it's a decent crop. You know, we've talked a lot about the shortstop. There's a couple of pictures out there that the bullpens are really weak, which could lead to some big time trade scenarios. And would you agree with this? Just kind of teasing what's coming next for us? more buyers than maybe ever in an off season. How many teams are actually tanking right now?
0: Yeah, it's a good point. And the, the lack of impact, the seeming lack of impact arms available, like via the trade market. um, Sorry, not just arms players, period. I think, um, yeah, I think that it's a signal that more teams feel like they're in it or close to it. And um,
1: big, big signing off season in the winter, huge trade deadline. That's how I read this. Huge trade though. Yeah. Interesting. going to be a good year. Let's talk soon.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Mike.
1: All right. My thanks to Dan. My thanks to Keith. Everybody have a great Thanksgiving. Check out the athletic, visit theathletic.com slash spot track. Get yourself a great deal on our new subscription there. We will be back this weekend with some NFL week 12 wrap up with some big time major league baseball free agency discussions as hopefully things start to ramp up there when the winter meetings approach. And any kind of basketball news, because Keith uh, is about to drop his first trade piece with us. There's going to be some names on there we're not even thinking about right now, because Keith dives way deeper than any of us can even get to. And uh, it'll spark plenty of conversations. That's why we've got him on board. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Chnetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spotlight Podcast.